whiskey. Welcome to the Whiskey Underground. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the BSEA Whiskey Underground. We're here tonight in the secret speakeasy to relax and enjoy one of the finest man-made creations on earth, whiskey. Brant, welcome back to the speakeasy. What's happening, man? It's a lovely, lovely night. It's, it's nasty and rainy here, so it's nice to get out of the, hey, out of the weather. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's beautiful down here in the speakeasy, uh, but it's even more beautiful because we have... Uh, only the second person with the finest hair on earth to join us, and that is uh, the one and only uh, Josh Wozny. Josh, welcome to the Speakeasy. Hey, thanks for having me in. Josh is your stunt, your stunt double, right? Yeah, my stunt <laughs> double. <laughs> Slightly taller. Well, but you know what? It makes me look bigger on the on the wide shots. So. <laughs> does right. it really, or does it have the yeah. opposite effect? No, because that's what they do in, in Hollywood when they have like a, like oh forced when perspective. Tom Cruise has a yeah when Tom Cruise has a stunt double, they never go up close, so they take the wide shots, the long shots, and that's where they have a bigger than average, they're a bigger guy than the actual actor to make them look bigger off you know not so close up. That's why Bruce Willis has a decent sized stunt double as well. A full it's size, a full guy. size, <laughs> full size stunt double. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so welcome, Josh. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. We're here. Uh, we're here tonight to speak easy, and we've got some uh, fine, fine whiskeys from the beautiful uh, Scottish island, Isla. Yes, there's now, there's debate about the pronunciation of, of that because I've heard I've heard no it like three diff- it. I've heard it like three different ways, but I think if you, you got a true Scottish a true Scotsman. A Scotsman to tell you, I I, I agree, say, Isla. Isla. Isla is definitely the way is, I've been hearing it the most. Is Islay. Don't let anyone in Total Wine tell you wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Islay. Islay. Yeah. Islay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm with you. Isla. We'll work with Isla. Isla but rolls Isla off is, the tongue. It does. Uh, Isla is home to, uh, to a certain flavor of whiskey. And, and what Isla is most known for is the peat that they use to... Uh, to stop the malting process, to halt the malting pro- process, to dry out the malt once it's been soaking and once it's uh, germinated. Um, so to kind of kind of go back on the distilling process, when you when you malt the barley, you, what you essentially do is you soak it in water so it thinks it's ready to germinate, and that releases all of the sugars, which are then going to be used to create alcohol when that's combined with water and yeast, because uh, water, yeast, and sugar is how you get alcohol. In a in a nutshell, in a nutshell. so but at some po- at some point you got to stop the malting process. So what you do is you dry out the malt, you dry out what you've uh, what you've malted, and to do this normally it's just some sort of wood fired kiln or some uh, heat source that that uh, a distiller uses. But Isla actually takes peat, which is essentially compressed dirt and 
uh, sphagnum and moss and all of these rich nutrients from the soil. They cut out these uh, big logs of it, dry it out, and then throw it in the fire, and it gives it this wonderful, smoky, uh, iodine, medicinal flavor that is essentially iconic to Isla whiskey. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely what what they're known for. Um, that that island, like you said, is just classic with that that flavor and, and taste profile. Not much comes from there that uh, that doesn't have that peaty aroma. And it seems like they're in a competition sometimes to tell you to see who can produce <laughs> the most uh, smoky and peated flavor. Oh, no doubt. Sometimes it it doesn't always work well for everybody's palate. <laughs> No, and look, it is it is a uh, it's an acquired flavor. There's there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, now, it's kind of to me like almost like only... almost like these mega hoppy I you know IPAs. It's I I enjoy the uh, the art form, and I can drink one to kind of start my night. But it's not something I'm going to pound um, or drink neat all all night long for sure. <laughs> now, see this Isla is one that if I am going to start with Isla. I'm probably going to finish with Isla because it's going to it's going to uh, it's going to definitely make anything else taste different. Yeah, palate wrecker. Oh, it's definitely palate wrecker. There's no doubt about it. You can't taste anything else after you have that smoke in your mouth. It's kind of like everything else has that taste, and you know, it pairs well with certain foods and things sometimes because it just sticks there and it goes together. Currently, there are only eight distilleries on the island. Uh, Boonahaben, which is classic, uh, classic island, but they actually don't smoke their stuff as much. Um, Kalila, which everybody should love. Great black... That's a great balance one. Um, Kilcoman. Brooklotic, which is probably the hardest one for anyone to pronounce. Yeah. Uh, Bamore, which we've talked about on the show a little bit. Uh, and then the three down by the uh, by the port, and that is uh, Lafroig, Lagavulin, and Ardbeg. Those are like the three heavy, the big boys. Yeah. Down in port, down in Port Ellen. So, what was the uh, the K? The one you said with the uh, with the K? Kilcone. Kilcone. Is that the one that's owned by William Grant? That's in Monkey Shoulder. Uh, no, that's uh, Kaninvi. Kaninvi. Yeah, I knew there was yeah. a K. Kaninvi's yeah. in Monkey there's Shoulder. A K, there's Kilcone. a K there. Okay. Yeah, yeah Kilcoman's kind of a uh, I mean they've been there for about 124 years uh, they were they were a farm for a long time kind of producing locally not selling until 2004 they actually didn't sell their whiskey until 2004 after the farm closed um, very interesting but they actually grow their own barley on the island so they're one of the few that don't actually buy barley for uh, for their own distillery So, uh, lots of good stuff, but tonight we're going to drink some Lag- uh, Lagavulin 16 and some Lafroig Lore, which is a no-age uh, statement. Yeah, so Lagavulin, um, I can tell you, before I even became a bourbon bourbon drinker, we talked to past episodes that I kind of towed into Whiskey Neat, Whiskey on the Rocks uh, with McAllen. That was kind of my, my intro intro to to whiskey if you will so um but my second kind of love was was Lagavulin it's crazy crazy enough and I think it was uh as I was kind of experimenting 
this was a total 180 from McAllen. So it was something new, <laughs> something fresh, something different. And uh, I think that's kind of what attracted me to, to Lagavulin. And I used to be big into cigars. And I guess it was just that big, heavy, heavy mouthfeel and, um, you know, big cigar. It kind of worked. Uh, I liked some acid, kind of sweeter cigars at the time. So it kind of was a different uh i guess opposing kind of flavors in that like a villain in those kind of sweeter cigars and uh i love it and i always drank the 16 so that one's kind of right at right at home uh, 16 is very very good it's ron swanson's favorite <laughs> there you go i think that probably caused an uptick in sales when ron swanson oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely had absolutely <laughs> um but also tonight we're going to be talking about our SEA member, and that is Captain Briu. So uh, if you don't know who that is, and you probably don't, uh, stay tuned. We'll talk a little bit about him and how he fits into the uh, Disney Society of Explorers and Adventures. But first, Josh, you're the guest. Uh, what is Jeeves bringing over the table tonight? Um, What's he bringing over first, I should say? He's going to bring don't, over the... Don't mind, don't mind the wall. You don't get to pick from all of them right now. <laughs> That's later. Uh, uh, but what is he bringing over first? You're gonna bring over the Lafroy lore. All right, he's going. He's going heavy first. He wants to. He really wants to taste this. <laughs> he's got. I, I, I told him. I, I said. I really. That's what I want to start with. Maybe I slipped him a clean, clean five palette. or two. Yep. All right. Thanks, Jeeves. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about lore. It, it is a no age statement whiskey, which which is kind of the new thing that's going on. In, uh, in the distilling world just because it's hard to keep stuff around for so long when there's such a demand right now. Um, now, this one is not cheap. I'm not going to lie to you. This is going to be on the expensive side. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, but this is John Campbell's kind of uh, ode to the, the last 25 years he's been at the distillery where he's learned from the past masters, learned how to distill, and Lafroy lore is the story of Lafroy itself. It's a massive whiskey, as bold as it is deep, and one that I sincerely hope does justice to the many generations of Lafroy distilling managers. It's our story bottled the richest of the rich. So that's his that's his quote on it. Now, what he did in this one to uh, uh, to care uh, to create lore was he carefully blended together Lafroy. It was stored in, in a variety of barrels around the distillery. So these barrels range from uh, first fill bourbon quarter casks, Oloroso hogsheads. Hogsheads are like the real big tall barrels that are kind of narrower. Um, and then some whiskey that will be young but some that actually goes way back to 1993 so making a small portion of this at least 23 years old. Wow. But when it when it first came out, this was 22 and 23 year old whiskey when they were first making it. So there's a lot of components in this um, but, uh, but we'll see. So, Brant, Josh, let's dive in here. Yeah. Mm. I mean, obviously, first thing I can tell is you can smell the... You still smell... The smoke you, is there. smoke is there, but you still smell... I mean, I still get the the hint that this is a malt. I mean, you can smell it's a malt. It's not sweet. Some, it's it's definitely kind of uh, flat on the, mm-hmm. on the nose, but has that classic... I mean, it's crazy that it still cuts and has all those classic uh, just malted barley nose... It's got citrus, and the smoke is like, it seems sweeter, it doesn't... It's definitely a sweeter smoke. 
And that's going to be the uh, Sherry Oloroso uh, Hogsheads. It's going to give a lot of that sweetness. Um, good color on it. I would call this like little gold, not overly gold, not to amber, but golden hay almost. Yeah, yeah, it would definitely. That's a classic Lefroy uh, look to it. A mm. little darker than their 10. Uh, a little darker than the select that they normally put out, but those are 10 and 12-year-old whiskeys. There is... There is something, and I cannot put my finger on it, that I that I pick up from this. It is a clean, comforting... You ready? Yeah, there's something it's, I... I it, it, it's a little bit of that iodine from the salt air, from that's the sea it. salt air. And I was going to say I can that's almost what it is. smell that sea air, and you're right, it's the iodine. That's why it smells clean and... Mm-hmm. and <laughs> yeah, there's it, a there's a little it, bit of salty sea. Actually, there's now, a when I, lot of it. When I say that Lafroig is probably one of my favorite distilleries of all time, this is probably my favorite thing that Lafroig has ever put out. It is a beautiful bouquet of rich, smoky, a little bit of that uh, ash and bitter chocolate drops on the nose. Definitely, but then chocolate. you get the vanilla. You get the vanilla sweetness, the sherry sweetness, um, and the multi, uh, the multi sweetness that Brant was talking about. That it's very upfront. That maltiness is very upfront. Yeah, there's another, there's another big flavor bomb in there that I'm just I can't pick out on the <laughs> on the no, on the nose. It's definitely. pretty complex. I mean, this is a deep, deep whiskey. And There's each, no doubt about it. It's each pretty time deep. I bring it to my nose, I'm picking up something a little bit different. Yeah, there's there's that citrus there too. All right, uh, definitely citrus. Give it a taste. So give it a taste. Hey, before you taste, um, yeah. So something I learned, I guess, kind of in my education through the throughout the weekend, um, which didn't really know before you kind of dive you dive in so first taste of the of the night or of any of anything first taste of the night for sure um that neat taste is going to just singe your palate and you're going to get an overwhelming uh, i guess yes. array of things the guy that kind of taught us walked us through the tastes this weekend said first taste si- sip it let it burn your palate wake up your tongue Take a sip of water, cleanse it, take a second taste, taste a third taste. On the third taste, all the initial stings should be gone, and you should really start ta- mm-hmm. tasting the true the true flavors. And I kind of, as I did it this weekend, I was kind of like, holy crap, it tastes totally different as you as you kind of walk yourself through it. So it's like, make the first taste and get acclimated to it, but don't even like pay mm-hmm. attention to what you're, what you're tasting on the first taste. I'm going to try this. Oh, God, that's so good. Ooh. Mmm. Mm. All right, my palate is primed and ready to go. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's dig into this one. Let's see what we get here. Wow, just the, as good as it is every time. The mm, it's rich. It's very rich. It's it's. Mm. <laughs> so I'm gonna tell you. It reminds me, um, front of my tongue first taste and a little bit less aggressive here but it has that so i talked about it when we, t- we had mccallan double cask it tasted like leather but like a yep. fine fancy 
lacquered leather in a high-end sports car, this tastes more like saddle leather. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not... Yes. Saddle I'm, leather, that's a good... I'm not saying it's like bad, but it tastes like raw, like a raw saddle leather, where Macallan Double Cast tastes like a, a, you know, a lacquer kind of finished... Doesn't have a polish on it whatsoever, it's just that hide just, that, that's come off and made into a pair of work gloves. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it tastes like the smell that you get off of um, those like deer hide work gloves that, mm-hmm. that are just meant to work. And, that, and that, here, this is a working see. man's whiskey. I have a pair right here. Let's compare the smell. Oh, there you go. Yeah? Yeah? I don't, yep. I don't think we've ever had a leather comparison live <laughs> on the Well, on the show. they're right here. Hey, it's... Well, Jeeves, Jeeves left his gloves here. I don't know what Jeeves was doing He's like back, shucking but. oysters or something? Didn't know they were in season. Jeeves was shucking oysters on the menu. I don't, hey, you know what? He's got to keep us fed, too. Uh, this one is really good. It's richly mm. peaty. You're going to get the peat flavors. You're going to get that iodine, that sea salt flavor. But it's got a great sweetness. And maybe you guys can pick up on this, but as you, as it lingers, you get a little bit of like spicy chili. I was just going to say that I get some almost like a, yeah, a spicy chili. But there's also some kind of a nutty richness to it as I get deeper in and the more I, I drink it there's definitely definitely has a nutty mm-hmm. oily like nutty oily and it, yep. it coats it coats your tongue with this with this oil and when you go back in for another sip after that it it just it clings and so Scott give me give me yeah. proof on this Okay, so uh, this one is, uh, let's see here. Uh, so this one is forty-eight uh, percent. Forty. So it's pretty heavy for, pretty heavy for a scotch. Um, that's not, you know, not uh, uncut or um, barrel-proof as they call them. This one is this one's pretty hot for for scotch. Now, I'm I'm curious to see what this does with a couple of drops of water. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, what do you get on the finish here? It's it's hard to to say because I really am tasting nothing more than that oily finish. It it's it's it just warms and sits there with that nutty flavor to me. I got an official super awesome tasting notes guide this weekend. <laughs> oh, look at that! Look at that. Um, this one finishes pretty quick. It's it's short and dry, uh, but it, the, that oiliness like lingers on it. Yeah, big time. Where it it leaves like a long, sweet aftertaste. Like there's a nice length to this finish because um, it doesn't just like it doesn't like linger like really heavy alcohol ones do and kind of stay there. This one has like a nice, sweet, oily finish to it. Uh, it stays around for for a bit, but it's not overly long. It, it doesn't wear out its welcome. No, it's it's still there a little bit, but it's interesting because the more I get into this, the less I get that smoky charcoal taste on the front of the tongue. It, it really disappears. The first I agree. few. The first few sips, it was like, and it wasn't bad. It's something that I like. It was 
it reminded me of when you put a fire out when you when you are camping and the mm-hmm. fire goes out and you've got those coals and you've got that smoke and it's you see the black charcoal and that smell that you just know that you're camping the first couple of sips that's what just engulfed my entire nose and, and palate and then that just completely has kind of diminished and, and it's let these other more delicate flavors come through Scott yeah I yeah so we just um, and I, Josh Josh didn't get this but um, I just sent you you just tasted a fine cognac when when I yes. when I leave this on my tongue I I almost get some of that cherry grape like I don't know crazy mash kind of uh, fruit and I, I and I agree Josh the smoke is like totally not as aggr- as aggressive as you start to get into this and your palate gets gets adjusted to it like totally it's almost as if we're tasting the different whiskeys that are blended in different layers as we dive in and it's it's very very much so I mean it, these these different casts, the ex bourbon, the uh, Lefroy, the regular Lefroy cast that they do with their regular ten, uh, the refill quarter cast, the second fill Oloroso Hogshead, you're getting all of these flavors in each one, and the more you drink it, the more you can pick those out. This really is a Lefroy like no other, as they call it. This is this is incredible. This is very very good. Now, um, brand. Let's give let's give a score on this because I want to give it to you before the price point. Well, let me let me say this too. One thing we didn't talk about. I think mm-hmm. I think this this now. I mean, I've drank a pretty decent bit of it, but it has a, almost a dead stop finish for me. When you pull this, when you when you finish it, it's it's short. When you finish drinking it, there's almost no no smoke. I mean, I guess I've got a little of this, the kind of the the peat. The peat, the smoke isn't. It's not heavy on the finish. No. It really isn't. It's heavy on the nose, medium on the palate, and light on it's the very finish. light on the finish. It's like if I like draw my spit, I can still get get kind of remnants of it. So I mean, it's still kind of it still kind of lingers a little bit. But I think it uh, I think it it finishes pretty short. Finishes the, pretty the short. The finish is definitely sweeter than um, than the smoke. And the longer yeah. I go without having any more, the sweetness is, like like Brant said, I draw my spit and the smoke is there, but the sweetness just kind of mm-hmm. keeps keeps pulling. And it's, it's interesting that it was such a short finish, but now that we are analyzing it, it's it's got some after effects. Yeah. I'm going to drop a bit of water in mine and see what happens. Yes. Me too. Oh, boy. You guys are in for a treat. <laughs> oh, the nose has changed completely. See, I think all yes. no smoke in the nose for me. None. Nope. None whatsoever. It's barely there. No. It's no there. Pee. It's it's not as it's not heavy. It's it's malty. It, it's sweet. It's yeah. It's I completely. Get that. I get. I get more of a, the sweeter malt. Oh, the sweet is all on the nose now. It brings out all of that sweetness. Like clotted cream, and if you've ever been to Britain and had tea and biscuits, and I'm talking scones, and you get that, uh, they, they put clotted cream and strawberry jam on it, this is clotted cream with like 
It's like a rich fruity jam. It's completely different now. Mm. Yeah, see, I think I taste more. I taste like cherry and yes. I taste like cherry and red, red fruit. That's gonna be the and that's the ex bourbon barrels. So you're gonna get a lot of those cherry notes from those, and the sherry, uh, the sherry hogsheads. This is honestly, this is one of the most complex whiskeys. It's I've ever taken notes on. I don't think I've ever had a whiskey change that much with a couple of drops of water. We had one... Oh, man. Brant, what was that? I remember it, but I don't remember what it was. Was it... Was it? No, it wasn't the Baines. Baines kind of went away with the water. I don't remember. You, uh, you may have had notes. I didn't I, I didn't start taking notes till later, but... I don't remember what the... Uh, mm. I don't remember what it was, but there was a couple that changed drastically. This one... There's this the chili the chili bite's still there on the on the palate the little the hot chili's still kind of there. It doesn't linger though. It doesn't stick around. No. Now I have this sweetness that is just. It's oh, it's all sweetness. It's almost making my mouth water because it's so. It's so sweet. Brent, it was the Pike Creek tenure, the rum cask one. Yep. I'm looking at my notes there. It drastically changed, and we had all the bananas and the fruits and stuff in the Pike Creek. That is insane how much that changes. Yeah. It's really good. It's a very good whiskey. All right. So, Brant, give me a a score on this one. So, now that I have some things to kind of um, judge this by. The benchmark. Yeah. Have a... Have benchmark. Let's see. Um... I give it an 80, 81, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Um, and like That's I said, low. just uh, huh? That's low. Well, and I'll tell, I'll, t- I'll tell you why. Um, and it just shows how different different palettes are. You you said that you think this is super complex. I I do not. I think this is super straightforward and kind of slightly one dimensional. I, I expected like from what from the talk and all that went in went into this. I expected huge sweeps of change and like I said I, I keep coming back to this one kind of red red fruit a little bit of sweetness um, and then the the um, the peat kind of just ducks in and out in and out for me so like I said I think it's it's a good drinker it's sweet for an Isla I think it's not what I was ex- what I was expecting having having had uh, others um so I don't know. I kind of, I kind of feel is more one-dimensional than you. I think so. That's that's where I'm putting it. Now I, I think I think a lot of that has to do with the. I tend to believe that there is more high-age whiskey, like the 22, 23-year-old whiskey in this, because the longer it ages in the barrels, the less smoke you are going to get because it's going to fill, it's going to thin out thanks to the time in the barrel, thanks to the sherry notes. I'm going to say this is going to have a high... If this had an age statement, like uh, as Canada does, where they kind of combine it, I would say this is probably in the 18 range. 17 range. It is it's it is not as smoky as you would expect an Isla to be. That is, I think, what everyone's thrown off, but this is like the nice, sweet smoky kind of bacony flavor that Lafroy does that I love. So Josh, give me your no- or give me your number on this one. 
Um, I, I'm going to put it solid at like an 89 to a 90. I mean, it's not perfect. I like the amount of smoke on the first couple of sips. I wish that it had stuck around a little more. But I mm-hmm. also really love that sweetness. I mean, that sweetness is present in a lot of these. It's also something that I look for in, in whiskey. Sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm in the mood for more sweet. And I like that this changed with a couple of drops of water and became almost a completely different whiskey. Uh, I just wish that smoke would maybe hang around just a little bit more. That That's just, whenever I think about Isla, I, just, I was ready for just way more smoke. Yeah, and... Um... I, I get that. I do. Uh, for me, this is a, this is you know I I'm not going to copy you, Josh, but it's an 89. This is what I call an 89. Uh, it's it's high up there. It's not the best Isla I've ever had. Actually, no. I think that's probably the highest Isla I've rated. I'm looking through my notes here. Uh, it's an 89 for me, and this actually won single malt scotch in the no age statement for Jim Murray's whiskey Bible for 2019. So. I don't mean to invoke another Isla whiskey, but mm-hmm. I will tell you that the characteristics of this are very similar to Ardbeg 21 because of the age. Ardbeg has a lot of the smoke that falls off into a sweetness, um, and I, I think you were correct in saying that it's probably around 17, 18 years on average because it's right around where that 21 was. Um, mm-hmm. Not not quite the same, but it's that... that I guess you want to call it maybe the little delicateness of it um, that mellows out the smoke and it starts to pull in the, the barrel and other flavors. Now, uh, price on this, Brent. If you go to the UK, this will probably run you about 50 pounds, which is about $65. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be lovely. However... Over in the United States. Oh, I, I can imagine they're happy. They're happy to have this. It is right around a hundred and twenty bucks, Man. about one ten to one twenty for a bottle. Uh, now I have I have seen it for less. In fact, I have a second bottle that I procured because I love this whiskey so much. The minute I saw it on the shelf at seventy nine, I said I didn't plan on buying a whiskey, but I'll take that one. Seventy nine would be a price point that I would jump at for this. I would too. To me, I think this one has a price point that should be around the $80 to $85 range. If it if it settles in there and that's where it kind of sticks, I think that's a, a solid price. Yeah. I, I would agree. That's, that's my number on this one. That's what I would put that at for sure. And I, I mean, if Lefroig 10 is $49, $50, this should be right around the $80 range. It's expensive. It's not. I'm not gonna lie. It's a pricey one. I I wouldn't even give it a second glance on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> I just. I mean, scotch is not my everyday, you know, my everyday cup of tea. I guess. And like I said, I just. I don't know. Kind of expected expected more out of this this guy, Scott. Uh, hey, look. When we started this thing, Brant was Brant was straight up. He's like, I like bourbon. I'm a bourbon guy. I do bourbon more. And I said, you're right. I am a scotch guy. I do scotch more. Scotch is my jam. I, w- I will say I haven't I haven't had much experience in older scotches, especially I guess older. You say blended blended scotch. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's I'll the- tell you then. The next one I have 
tons of experience drinking. So, but I will tell yeah. you, I haven't had it in many a year. So I'm gonna gonna be pretty surprised to retaste this after after years of neglect. That's the uh, the issue though when you're talking about having the older scotches because I really like the older the older scotches. I mean, just something happens to them that just makes them fantastic, but they're extremely pricey because they spend a lot of time in a barrel. Bourbon, you tend to run into, you can sometimes get a little bit older bourbon for a lot less than you can get the same age on a scotch. And uh, Yeah. I mean, you think about it, a 12-year-old scotch is going to run you in the you know, $60 range for most 12-year-olds, 50 to $60 range. A 12-year-old bourbon... I mean, Elijah Craig is thirty nine dollars. Yeah. So, Knob Creek is forty nine. So, all right, uh, let's let's move on to the next one. Um, the next one is Lagavulin sixteen. Ron Swanson's uh, go to for any celebration. Lagavulin sixteen. Didn't, didn't he like keep this in his in his desk? Thanks, Jeeves. Yes, I think he did. Right. He did. So I'm gonna I'm I save my special BSEA Halo glass for ah which you can get for over this. at themagicalmeltdown.net. Go over to www.themagicalmeltdown.net and pick up that uh, BSEA Halo glass. It's really it's really nice. It's got the mustache man, the mustache monocle. <laughs> get a t-shirt, shirt, get a throw pillow. Yep, we got we got a throw pillow here in the speakeasy. We got I'm, some t-shirts. I'm currently using my coasters. And my BSEA notebook. So, which aren't available? Which aren't available at this at this time? <laughs> Sorry, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> I might be bragging a little bit. That's true. Uh, <laughs> founding founding members or founding uh, people were treated to uh, some of our early stuff, but uh, never never fear. You can go over to www.themagicalmountain.net and uh, check out all of our uh, all of our wares. All right, Brent, tell me a little bit about this. You've had a lot of experience with this one. Yeah, so um, the crazy thing is is Lagavulin history seems to be quite quite short. Um, not short as far as time, but uh, short just as far as lore and, and crazy past. So... Um, I mean, it says it dates back to 1816. Not going to bore you with all the the names and stuff, but the big thing about it is, is they they were part of a a lawsuit in the 19th century um, with their neighbor Lafroy. Um, yes. So you know they were they were kind of I guess either sued or had a cease and desist because they thought were thought to be copying uh, you know Lafroy. So um, obviously. Very similar styles, profiles. I mean, hell, both names begin with an L. Um, but, it, you know, of course, all that blew over. They're both still operating. Um, Lagavulin. And they're friendly now. They're, they're, yeah. much, they're much friendlier. It's not like Adidas and Puma, <laughs> where the two, the two companies didn't talk to each other for like 60 years. And uh, they finally got together uh, on a soccer pitch one day, like the employees. And it was like, it was like world peace broke out. Yeah. So, um, you know, they're both both rolling along, and now um, Lagavulin is part of the massive Diageo uh, profile, which owns a bunch of other distilleries. 
in Scotland, uh, which I think this is their only um, Isla that Diage. No, they only one more. Cal Calai. Calilla, yeah, they got Calilla because that's that's prevalent in the uh, the Johnny Walker Green. There you go. So they have those those two, but um, they've made several. Um, releases throughout the years up to even a 37 year um, they had a bicentennial 25 year that came out though it was limited but um, their kind of consistent um, heavy hitter is the 16 the 16 year um, that's everybody's favorite it's got the most notoriety it's all over pop culture like you mm -hmm. said Ron Swanson um, you know bunch of bunch of other TV sh TV shows and stuff it's been featured on um, Fear the Walking Dead and all kind of other um, shows but um, the main thing is is I think it's just um, pop culture's kind of got it out in front of people but it's it's a super clean very classic um, Isla Scotch with an eight yeah. with an age statement. With it, an age statement, in the age of in the age of those things going away, I know. And unfortunately, you know, hopefully this one doesn't go away. I, yeah, there's no plan on it going away, but well, you know, you did see you with this know. with this whole Game of Thrones thing, they made an eight year, right? Mm -hmm. Which so hey, we can make twice as many right, twice so, as many eight years, technically as as so you know we can yeah make. for their. For their 200th anniversary back in uh, 2016, they released a an eight-year, uh, which was aged in smaller barrels. So hopefully it's... What they want to do is they wanted to get like... Like we had with Oban Little Bay. It's smaller barrels, more intense flavor. Uh, they tried to recreate that, that old style because uh, back when Scotch was first produced, they weren't using the full 53-gallon barrels. They were using like half casks. So it would make it one easier to load and unload because you know you didn't have forklifts but two it would also intensely uh concentrate the flavor so they tried to do that eight's good i like it it's a, it's a good drinker i really enjoy eight yeah it's so that and they also had a 12 year that's a cash strength and then uh and then this 16 but the 16 um like i said is there is there heavy hitter uh, it's definitely their representation of a typical Southern um, Isle of Scotch. Uh, as my wife would say, it smells like a dry eraser wrapped in a burnt Band-Aid. Yep. Um, <laughs> that's, you know what? Those are not bad tasting notes either. That's, that's pretty good. And you know... Um, pretty accurate. If you, if you had one of these the night before and you don't rinse out the glass and you let it sit in the sink, when you come down in the morning, you know... That you had this the night before, yeah. you can smell that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. So, uh, Brent, give me some notes on the nose here. So, I mean, definitely, definitely's got the peat. Oh um, yeah, that's. I mean, it's supposed to be massive. Yeah, I like to know what PPM is on this versus the other one we had, but that really isn't like readily available. Like they don't just hand that out. You got to really dig to no. find to find PPM. Um. But I will tell you on the back end, um, this one's kind of kind of sweet too. But I taste the, mm. I taste, I smell the, definitely smell the iodine. Uh, definitely, there's iodine in that one. And that. Oh yeah. Um, but it still has like sweet kind of spice and cream 
I don't know if it's butterscotch or vanilla, but it's got some kind of... There's a lot of vanilla on this it's one. It's almost like a, yeah, like a vanilla ice cream. Like, Yes, yes, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Like you get that nice cream note. Vanilla bean ice cream. Brent, the PPM on this one is 35. Okay, that's not... So that's the, high, but not, you know... Yeah, I mean, the highest ones, math. I mean, you're talking like Burglotic yeah. Octomore, which is not for anyone who doesn't like <laughs> peat. Is like 258. Uh, but the normal ones, Calilla uh, is 30, Lagavulin's 40, Ardbeg is 50. Those are right around where those kind of stand. Yes. So, um, I don't know, what do you guys smell? Anything else? Like I said, pretty, still got some sweetness, definitely got some smoke. Uh, iodine strong. Yeah, you, get the, you get the alternate, yeah, I mean, iodine's very strong in this one. The fruity sherry notes, Lots of sherry. they're there. Mm hmm. Um, which it doesn't was does this one say that it, how long it spends in sherry barrels because it's got to spend a pretty decent amount of time in it. See any, anything that indicates when the swap is taking place? Um, it's got kind of like a black tea note. I too. was going to say there's almost a tea. There's something that I I can pick up, but I yeah I want to say it's like black tea. Hmm. Some kind of a leaf like a. A brood, yeah, leaf, but I can't place it. I don't know if it's if it's well. I mean, everything would be a tea, but I can't place what kind of a. It's like a. It's like a almost like a um, like a black china tea. I'm trying to get the like pine, like a little bit of like pine and wood smoke on that tea. The tea notes. Yeah, I like this one. All right, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig in here because I'm, I'm right, ready to try this. It. Mm. So, right away, the the smoke is lingering on on the back end more than it is up front. Oh, it's smoky. It's very smoky. Oh, it's so, so, it's so, so good. good. Oh God, I forgot. I I don't go to this all too often, but I forget how fucking good this this whiskey is. <laughs> it's, it's oh my God. Brand. This one's got all of the ripe fruits, the the dried fruits, the richness of that, the sherry but, sweetness. Let's say this is like thick and richy, rich, like rich. It's got, I think, oh. maple syrup, <laughs> caramel. Yeah, maple, maple syrup. Let me let me think. With puffs of smoke and that sea salt. Mm. It's got that nice sea salt. Oh, this is so good. You know. When you say sea salt, if I th- if I approach it with the maple syrup thought and sea salt, it's almost like a maple sea salt caramel because it's so thick and and rich and, and yeah. then there's a smoke. And see, you know what else it reminds me of? It reminds me of tobacco. It reminds me of that cigar yes. without even having it. Yep, it yes. reminds me of that cigar that I had without even having a cigar in my mouth. I just you got I, those I, like. You got those like puffs of smoke and those like dried, like you're saying, the tea leaves, the dried tea leaves, kind of get that like tobacco, that warm tobacco flavor. It it has that lingering of of dragon on a on a on a cigar, that's just like on the back of my mouth now. It just yeah, hangs around. Like that, yeah, there's that like peppery note on the end of it. Um, finishes long. It's this really one is long. It just so hangs long, around. and it goes moves to the back of your mouth. It doesn't just stay up front, and it just 
it it just stays there. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah, if I is... exhaled, it would be smoky. Like. <laughs> <laughs> This one, this one has, there's a little bit of like lift off to minty flavor on the end. They like the uh, menthol kind of flavor. Do you guys get that? Mm. At the the, the very end, once you've kind of like had it on your tongue, swallowed it, it kind of like finishes off with a little bit of like airiness to it. I mean, I could, I don't, it's, it's, it's barely there, but as you, as you swallow it, Breathe in, and you get a little bit of like that mintiness to it. It's like a it's it's not a mint taste, but like the the cooling effect of, of the mm-hmm. mint. Yeah, you know, I get more of a um, I'm getting more of a like a licorice anise like uh, when I draw. Like I said, if I if finish sipping, open my mouth, draw draw across it, I get more of like when you have a piece of like licorice out kind of yeah. almost has like a cooling kind of but I guess mint is yeah. very similar to the way it like makes your mouth mouth feel yeah. cool it's got like a cooling effect to it it's really awesome I, I can see I love, the, I love this whiskey I can see the licorice because it's got that it's got that same the same characteristics but it's really it just kind of keeps going and changing I, I very much enjoy this whiskey I think everyone's drinking and not talking I know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm ser- writing down my notes because I want to. Rem- I want to remember some yeah. of these notes. These are. Yeah. The- I'm searching in one. there. I'm, I'm trying to find if there's any sort of dark fruits or anything in the finish. And y- you get the. I mean, there's a lot of sweetness in the palate, and the sweetness is there on the finish, but it doesn't like. It doesn't. It doesn't stay around as much as the smoke and the, the pepperiness and the sea salt. It, it almost, for lack of a better description, it almost turns savory. It goes from that sweetness, and once that sweetness kind of dissipates, it's got a savory, I, I want to yeah. say salty, smoky. It's Yeah, it's smoky and salty. You could taste the salty sea air almost in it. Yeah, this, I mean, this is literally being, like, standing on the cliff of a Scottish-like coast and just letting the sea salt, like, spray on you. Yeah, that's I can absolutely get that from this. But I mean, you're wearing wellies and you're stuck knee deep in mud. But it, it, it's just a great, like, it's a great sensation. Um, as we add a little water to it, we're going to talk a little bit about our D, uh, our Disney SEA member, um, Captain Briu. Okay, so not too prevalent in uh, Disney lore, but uh, like many of the people, he's actually a character from a movie. Okay, so this guy is a character from the movie called The Island at the Top of the World from 1974. It's an old movie. Uh, Basically, a British aristocrat named Sir Anthony Ross, played by Donald Sinden, he arranges an expedition to the Arctic to search for his lost son, Donald, not Donald Ross, the golf course designer, but uh, same name. Uh, (laughs) Donald had had become lost on a whaling expedition. Um... Trying to find this, find this fabled island where whales go to die. So Sir Anthony produces. He kind of gets these this motley crew together. He employs the talents of a Scandinavian American archaeologist, Professor Iverson, 
and Captain Brio, a French inventor and aeronaut who pilots a uh, an airship called the Hyperion. Obviously, you guys know Hyperion in Disney history. Hyper- yeah, theater. <laughs> yeah, Hyperion Theater. Yeah, Hyperion Theater. Hyperion Theater. Hyperion Boulevard, which is where the original Disney studio was. Still is today. Uh, but uh, now, upon reaching the Arctic, they meet Umiak, who's a cowardly but comically brave uh, Eskimo friend of Donald's. And they kind of have him help in joining the search and finding Donald. So... Ultimately, they get lost, obviously. Like any expedition, they get separated. And uh, Captain Briu kind of disappears from the film. While the rest of the film is spent with uh, Umiak, Iverson, and Sir Anthony Ross kind of going through these islands and uh, finding Astrogard, which is a uh, lost civilization of Vikings that have been cut off uh, from the rest of the world for centuries. Now, the Vikings capture the three of them, and they shortly thereafter find that Donald... Ross was nearly ready to be put to death by their fanatic uh, soothsayer, kind of law speaker guy, Godai, or Goda. And the three men are then are saved from being burned alive by a beautiful and brave Viking girl named Freya, uh, who fell madly and deeply in love with Donald. And then they escape and rejoin Umiak, who eventually find the whale's graveyard and find Donald. But then Godai comes back and uh, captures them all again and says, okay, all of you have to stay, or you can never you can leave, but one of you has to stay forever. So Iverson uh, volunteers to stay because he wants to uh, um, he wants to live this history of the of the like the lost Viking civilization. And uh, Iverson points out that if someday mankind is ever foolish enough to destroy itself, places like Astrogard may become humanity's final refuge. So. Long story short, the three of them, Donald, uh, Donald, Sir Anthony, Freya, Captain Briu, and Umiak, are allowed to depart in peace, promising never to tell the outside world of Astrogar. Kind of a, uh, kind of a, uh, Captain Nemo-esque feature to the film. Uh, kind of a, you know, journey to, uh, journey to the side of the world, 20,000 leagues under the sea kind of vibe to it, you know, made in the 70s. Um, but as far as the SEA goes, Captain Brew is available only at one th- one Disney park now, and that's over at Skipper's Canteen, where he drew the map that's on the wall that's showing this Arctic expedition, uh, the top of the world map, which uh, which is there on the walls. It it says I was digging around too. It says that Disney Paris has the Hyperion airship. Had uh, they had, had it, yes. Okay, they had mm-hmm. it. So. It was, um, at its time in 92, it was the largest prop ever at any Disney theme park. It stuck around there for about 10 years, I think, before they got rid of it to kind of re-theme uh, their Tomorrowland section. And then it also talked about that in um, Disneyland in Anaheim, there was plans to cre- to make a Discovery Bay, uh, but that yes. never was built. It, uh, I guess that that and that land is occupied by Big Thunder Ranch now, and it was gonna have gonna contain um, a Hyperion airship protruding from um, a recreation of Captain Brew's hangar. So I guess it's supposed to have a hangar with the air, with the airship kind of protruding out of it, which would have been cool cool as shit. But um, yeah, Big Big Thunder Ranch eventually uh, would now will now become Star Wars Galaxy Edge over there in Disneyland. There you, so there you go. It so. would have been sacrificed eventually. 
it would have it would have been, but it's just kind of crazy how once again um, one of these twelve guys that are girls that no one really knows about how much they uh, can like play a part in these parks in Disney Disney folklore. Kind of crazy. Again, not a movie that is well known, just because a lot of the Disney live action films from the sixties and seventies kind of fall into the category of not Disney enough for most people to watch. Uh, and you know they miss out. I mean, Twenty Thousand Leagues is a great, great movie. Uh, great actors in that too. Uh, this did win an Academy Award for art direction, so uh, so it's got some got some decent history. However, it did not do well in the box office. So immediately after its release, it kind of bombed, and they scrapped the uh, idea for a sequel. I kind of want to see it. Just, I mean, straight out of just the the kind of storyline you're talking about, I kind of just want to see it. It sounds like a it's it sounds like a good adventure film. Yeah, yeah. I have to give it. Hey, did you guys add some water to the to the Lagavulin? Yes. Uh, shit, did I? I think I saw you do it. I think I did too. I did a little bit of it. I think I did too. And it man got me all distracted. <laughs> so I think it, it's almost the same thing as the lore. I think it cuts a lot of the peat when you add. It does. I agree. It's super sweet now. Super sweet, but there's also a man. You, you get that green kind of green apple Glenfiddich turn on this. Um, yeah, there's a little this. more uh, of the the orchard fruits in this one now. I think it brings that out too in the palate. So I'm getting. Oh yeah. See, I get more cream cream candy and less savory maple on like the, the on the tea. palate. The tea notes really come back on the palate on this one. On the finish I can really taste like tea leaves or yeah man that changes the finish on this tremendously so here's something interesting in the spot where you pointed out that it was like that mint effect mm-hmm. previously now that's where I get like tea leaves black tea or yes yeah um, but up front like it's, a vanilla and a little bit of that the peat's still there yeah the peat but it's more of like it's more like less smoky and more like dirt and and like mm-hmm. yeah, earth, rich earthy earth. Yeah. Interesting. It, I like I like this with water a lot. I do like yeah. that. It's definitely like a like a salted almost like a salted caramel st- still, but then it gets that tea note and it goes to that earthy It just clings to you with an earthy flavor. It's it's interesting. There's still a little yeah, bit of smoke. The the pepper's kind of gone a little bit. It's more it's more uh, wood notes and earth notes than pepper and spice. So Scott, you got a you got a score? Oh yeah, you're gonna. I, and I hope I hope I don't influence you here, Brant. I've got mine written down. I'm going to give this one a 90. I think this is a tremendous bottle of whiskey. It's immensely flavorful. It, it's got a lot of complex uh, notes to it. And I would love I love to just sit down by a fire and drink some Lagavulin. I'm going to give it a 90. Josh? Um, not to copy Scott. I'm going to give it a 90, but I'm actually going to add a caveat to that. I'm going to give it a 91 when you add the water because it just adds a little bit of complexity and it bumps it over into the 
90 to 100 category in which, for me, that changes it enough to make it just right over that edge. All right. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a little tiny bit better with water. I'll say that. So, um, based off of what we tasted before, you guys were in the same ball ballpark. You, Scott, you, you went up. <clears throat> we love you, smoky scotch. You went up a point, mm-hmm. jo- Josh. After water, you went up a point. So, I went up six points. Ooh! Wow. So I went I went from an eighty one to an eighty seven. Uh, wow. on, on this, so still not in, still not in the nineties. Um, but that's high. That's high praise for Brandt. But that's that's up there. I mean, just to tell you, last week uh, the short pour we did, did we, is the short pour out, Scott? Or it, the, the, oh well, actually, I tell you, take it back. Those two got destroyed. But we tasted <laughs> uh, we, tra- we tasted the uh, Nika Pure Malt, which I scored at eighty three. Balmore fifteen. That, wait, that got that got destroyed. Yep, Balmore fifteen. The, the Balmore got destroyed. I, I scored yeah, an, eight, okay, so an eighty. Well, e. H. Taylor, I scored a ninety-two. <laughs> yeah, Brent and I came down and we we meant to record some short pours, but we ended up just drinking some scotch by ourselves. We got um, blitzed. We got blitzed. Yeah, the the Balmore that you you talked we you tasted last week uh, when we were kind of just hanging out. You get what'd you give that one? An eighty. Uh, Balmore got an eighty. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't so a fan the, of that. So this is high praise. An 86 is high praise from you. Yeah, 87, 87. I, I just can't get enough of that with the water. It's just... See, it's that I would buy I would buy that in a in a bar. I would pay right. I would pay poor price for that in a in a bar. So this one this one you're not gonna break the bank here. Um, well you might. It Many. really depends here. on your market. Here. Totally break the bank. Here, yeah, you're, it really you're depends three, on your three digits here. Yeah, this one this one ranges anywhere from, uh, and I'm gonna go with my normal price that I get this at back home. Anywhere from seventy nine dollars to a hundred and ten dollars. It's about about a hundred and ten. I think I've even seen it at a hundred and sixteen. I've I saw it last week for sixty six dollars. And again, not meaning to buy one, but I'm not passing that up. <laughs> it's 89 here, but it does go from time to time onto a special for about about 70. Um, and and yeah, I wouldn't hesitate when I see that. It, it's it's a bargain. It, it in 80 to 90 dollar price range, I think that that's that's good. You're not gonna get that high of an age statement for that good of a price. And I don't know how they keep it low. I, I really don't because, I mean, you look at all the other, the big boys, and, and Lagavulin's a big boy. I mean, they, they've been around for 200 years. You look at all the other big boys when they get into their high teens, 15, 16, 17, you're in the 80s to 90s to 100s, easily. Yep. Shit, I mean, you, you're not going to find a bottle of Macallan 18 for under 200 bucks. Oh, no, that's 250 minimum. Yeah, exactly. No. Nope. Nope. Um, and that's just getting harder and harder to come by it is it is uh so yeah a great uh, i mean to me these are two great isla whiskeys josh what do you think yeah they're they're both very 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 good whiskeys i'm just super impressed i've never really added water to the lagavulin 16 and it just it kind of blows me away at how good that is 
It's kind of one you're always going to add. I, I mean, honestly, to me, this is one I might pour and then add water to. I, I think I would do that going for It just changes it so drastically to make it just so so nice. I don't want to say perfect because, you know, that's, yeah, that's a hard, hard bar to, to set. To yeah. fill, but it's... Yeah, but it's it's so spot on when you add that water to it. It just makes it so nice to drink. It's easy. It's yeah. I, I mean, it's it's just yeah. So you know, well Scott, balanced. We, we always we always talk about, um, but the best whiskey drink is the way you like you like to drink it. So you know, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't fault you if you got to pour this and and put water in it put a cube in it whatever it is it's crazy because um i just came back from a trip where i had kind of a, a tour guide taster guide us to do it and you know he literally mimicked the same the same thing you know he said look we're making you taste this neat because uh, we want you to taste the whiskey but if that's not how you you know you taste or you drink yeah they're uh, not gonna nobody's nobody's faulting yeah nobody's faulting you for that they give you they said hey there's there's water in front of you because if you want to if you want to mix the thing 50-50 with water, knock your, you know, knock yourself out. Not what we recommend, but hey, you you're the one tasting it here. Do it do what you do, no fault to you. He even said if you want to lay on the floor and cuddle it, which I've seen happen, <laughs> you know, you can you can do you can do that. Yeah. I mean, this one I would I I would totally recommend getting this, taking a sip of it, taking a couple sips of it so that you kind of get the flavors from it and then add the water and then you're probably going to add water to this from there on out. And it's just a couple drops. I mean, I added three or four drops of water and it just completely changed it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the proof on this is 86 proof, 43%. So adding just a few drops brings it down to 40 and that's normal for scotch whiskey. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, Brant, coming up, we do have, we do have another episode coming up. We're going to go down to Florida for some whiskey. Hell yeah, by God. Um, yeah, so, so next, <laughs> next month. I'm, I'm excited about this one because this one I've I've literally seen in the flesh. Um, I got to tell you, when I sent the dram up to you, I kind of snuck a smell. <laughs> I didn't, but I haven't haven't tasted this. Yeah, so next next uh, next month we've got uh, some some pretty good uh, pretty good decent whiskeys here. One is a uh, one is a source whiskey, but it is still one of Brand's favorites. That's Old Scout, uh, the regular old Old Scout. Um, and then the other one is a local one to Florida. So if you want one, you're gonna have to find your way down to Florida somehow, or in the Georgia area because that's where it kind of hangs out, uh, and that's Palm Ridge Reserve. So it's the uh, the standard Palm Ridge. It is their their um, not the rye. Do not get the rye. It's just the regular yeah, Palm I've Ridge. Heard, I've heard that ain't where it's at. Yeah, the Palm Ridge uh, Reserve. And then the password for next week's show will be uh, Reggie. Go get a go get a bottle of that. Uh, put put in the uh, in the BSEA podcast uh, Facebook group. That's facebook.com slash groups slash BSEA podcast. And that's where you're gonna find our uh, our Facebook group, where we kind of share what we're drinking, share what you found, uh, share what you're looking for, so that others can help you out and help you find what you're looking for. Uh, but we're also gonna be talking about a really somewhat, I, I mean, somewhat famous if you're an Indiana Jones fan guy and a member of the SEA, and that's Jock Lindsay. It's it's way famous if you're a member of Three Sheets because everyone's oh, been, yeah. been to his hangar. <laughs> he's got a nice he's got a nice hangar. <laughs> no no doubt about that. Uh, but yeah, so uh, so Josh, it's time for our club mission statement. 
and uh, our, our motto. So may your time here be educational and enjoyable. So if you came here to learn, drink what you've learned. If you came here to share, share what you drink. If you came here a stranger, may you exit as a friend. And if you came here for an adventure, drink, drink up. up. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers.